Hello everyone, this is your host, Ale, Ale Cohen, here on Dub Lab Radio. Today we have a very special guest, someone I've followed for many years. His name is Ian Browdy, behind projects such as the Lightning Seeds, Care, and many, many others, uh, including Big in Japan, also had a hand on so many other works, uh, including bands like Echo and the Bunnymen, dozens, you know, the Three O'Clock here in Los Angeles, and dozens of other artists, uh, too many to mention here. But uh, Ian Browdy joined me in conversation from London, where he just put out a new record under the Lightning Seeds, a band known for, for its uh, beautiful songwriting, beautiful pop songs, uh, very lush production and today Ian is going to be talking to me about his new album See You in the Stars that just came out. We visit uh, some of his previous works, we talk about uh, his uh, current album and also his overall take on music. Thank you Ian for joining me and for those out there enjoy this conversation on Dabla Radio. Hello Ian. Hello. How are you doing today? I'm okay actually I've just uh, I'm in Portobello Road actually in London and we've been having a heat wave here, so it's been very, very hot. I heard about so, that. It, it, it broke, and now it's just normally normal. It's pretty, it's good. It's good, really. It's uh, it's back to sort of, you know, just hot. Yeah. It doesn't feel like L.A. now anymore. No, well, it didn't. <laughs> yeah, it's different. I, can't, I don't mind being hot in L.A. It's meant to be hot in L.A. Do exactly. you know what I mean? <laughs> yes. You're not meant to be hot in London. It's meant to be raining or something. Yeah. <laughs> exactly exactly no it's it's um uh it's it's i was very um i was so excited when i saw the news of a new album uh, by the lightning seeds uh um, obviously I've, i follow your work over the years uh, not only as um not only as, as a, a songwriter, uh, as a, a quote-unquote producer, which uh, I, 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 I say quote-unquote because I know that the word producer comes, it's a very loaded word for someone that... Well, I'm a very reluctant producer. I, I haven't a, produced anything for a long time. You know, I try and avoid it wherever I can, and I've managed to avoid it for a lot of years. I, 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 and, and Yes, absolutely. And, and I think what I, what I appreciate of that, I think, with that for if I am correct in my uh, assessing, is that uh, it, it's not just a matter of, of not wanting to assume that role, but it's more of a, almost a philosophy, right? Uh, that, uh, that it's more about collaboration. It's about more working with people than, than you, you know, directing. Well, it took me a long time to realize. So the first band that I ever kind of, I suppose, produced was Echo and the Bunnymen. And they were my friends. And I... So there were no barriers. So I used to play guitar and I'd write some of the middle eights and I'd do what, I was just in the band while we were recording. So my idea of production was that really, you know, it's like I was in the band, you know, for that period doing whatever needed to be done. And then later I realized, well, actually that's not what production is. And I learned, you know, to, to, to so when I was doing something like the choral many years later, it was very. It was a very different thing, even though I, I put a lot of my heart and soul into that band as well. But you know, and then I thought, actually, I don't mind what, when I can just do what. Just you just get together to make a great record, and that's a collaboration. So I'll only work in a collaborative way now. Yeah. Uh, if I do decide to produce things, it won't be production. It, it might be called production but it'll be a collaborative thing. And if I feel like writing or playing guitar, 
I, w- I not want to have one hand tied behind my back. Exactly, exactly. Not yeah. having to to uh, obey by the restrictions of who is the producer, who is the songwriter. More like a who... hip hop way of producing, where you just you make the record, you know. Exactly, exactly. Uh, well, uh, with the with this new record, "See You in the Stars," um, um, I hear a progression. I hear an uh, an a new sound, but also uh, the you know the the. The, the Ian Browdy uh, um, uh, identity is heavily in there as well. Uh, ob- you know, it's uh, obvious. It's obvious. You know, it's your work. Can't you know? get away from me. However, <laughs> exactly. Right. We're all stuck. We're, we're all stuck with, with ourselves, you know, in a way. But um, I was uh, very pleasantly surprised how uh, refreshing it is. Uh, feels uh, very personal. Uh, feels like uh, it's uh, a, a love letter to loved ones in a way. Um, uh, that's how that it feels would be like. True. I think that would be true. It's quite a personal record. They all are really pure, like ironic, but um, I think it's. I, I when I was recording it, I came to a sort of a moment. I've got to stop looking at the camera. I've, I've, I came to a moment and I kind of felt like, say, a song like Sunshine really reminded me of what I used to do say with the in with the in the 80s quite it had that feel into it and I thought I'm gonna go with that and then I found like a lot of the songs were almost like a greatest hits of me but written by me so then I was doing a track called Green Eyes and I felt like lyrically it was like a postscript to pure yes and and then harmonically it felt but so then I decided to shadow the little trumpet things and take little pieces of what might remind you of pure so behind so the, uh, there's a lot of that going on in that track and all the tracks in certain probably more subtle ways so probably i'm the only one who would totally get that but it is it's kind of like a postcard to myself really from all these different places yes uh well you you mention uh that feeling um uh from the 80s that you mentioned what what is that feeling uh, i'm interested in hearing uh because you you've been uh there's something very much about you and your sound that you hear over and over even in 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 bands like care that there's that almost baroque type of uh sense of melody that that you have uh but also a lushness but it's not the lushness that comes from proficiency but the lushness that comes from um from coming from punk in a way right uh it's almost like you you built it after they swept the floor yeah i think it's i'm a funny mix of i'm a funny mix of that kind of thing so i i I really want everything to be melodic and i feel like i want everything to feel positive even though it might be sad it's positive it's not sad miserable it's sad positive you know and i think maybe all all my aesthetic my, my life in a way and music but also life I think is those years where punk was happening and where it was um, the less I've said this in interviews before, but the lesson that I've learned at that time, the first Ramones album made me throw away all the records I had and start again. And it was a gateway into New York and Patti Smith 
television, talking heads. You know, I was I'm, I was more influenced by that than I was the Sex Pistols and the English stuff, which I liked and I saw the sex, you know, and it was good. But it, there was something about when I was in my first band, which wasn't was more of a performance art thing than 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 punk really. But and I love the Velvets with Andy Warhol. And I think the thing that really came to me then was I was someone who'd sat in my room and played guitar and stuff like that. But I felt like I, I have said this in interviews before, and I'll say it again because it's just true. So it's I just came to the realization that if you have an idea and it's a good idea, even if you can't do it very well, it's always a good idea. And however well you do it or don't do it, it will never stop being a good idea. But if you don't have an idea, however good you are and however well you do something that isn't a good idea, it will never become a good idea. So I'm always focused on an idea that I can, if I write a song, I'll sing a melody into my phone, but then I'll talk to myself and say the idea and say what I'm kind of, you know, I'll try and explain it to myself. And I, I feel like the word pop's been used around us a lot. And it's a strange word because it means something horrible and something good. So, and it, the, the meaning of pop changes over the years. I hated when I had the tag of perfect pop, made me want to be sick, really. I, you know, it's like I would, the fact, it, there's a real difference between searching for perfection and the pursuit of excellence. And I would never search for perfection, but I am always trying to push a boundary and get it better. So, and even though that sounds a subtlety, it's a universe of difference, you know. So I, I would say that. And I would say that um, the way, like, pop art is like a moment captured in an explosive way that you then put on the wall, that's how I want my songs to be, really. That's, that's kind of what I've always wanted out of it uh, and I've never succeeded really in capturing the moment properly which is why you do another one you know which is perfect it's that's why you do something else exactly and it's and I, I did with I think the way I've sung on this album it's funny because you what you said is right it's like different but the same or the same but different which is kind of what you want really I suppose but it's like um I feel like listening to it now that I've given it a bit of space. It's not innocent because, you know, because obviously I'm, I'm at a different part of my career and I'm in my 60s. But I feel like it's un, it's un, it's there's no barriers being put. I'm talking quite directly. And I think, you know, I think a lot of I love Buddy Holly and a lot of that seems to have come out in the way I'm singing. I think it's kind of. Um, sorry about that. That's it's okay. kind of coming out um, in a little bit of a, I don't know, I, f I feel like it's kind of wide-eyed and, and I'm, I'm trying to talk directly and not let things get in the way. Yeah. You know, maybe. Uh, in a way, uh, if I have to speak um, as, a, as, a, as a, you know, I, I know that your son plays in in. in Part of the lightning seats and uh, uh as a parent uh, i have kids that are a bit younger mine uh, have a t teenagers uh but um uh there's something i think that maybe a, a return 
to another age, a younger age, now that some of the 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 things of adulthood had lifted, right? As sometimes even even financial responsibilities or things you have to carry to, you know, make ends meet. And that maybe you're in a place in your life, if for what I gather, that you're like, I don't need to do those things. I just I'm just I, I'm only doing my thing just for the the pure sense of, of accomplishing uh, what I want to express. Well, I'm a worrier and I'm an overthinker, so I'm never quite free of that stress. <laughs> of course. But, um, and you are right. And, you know, it, maybe, you know, sometimes I'm sure you're the same with your children. Sometimes you want to play them <laughs> some music and when they get it, you hear it for as a new thing because they're enjoying it and you almost... It gives you a new love of something. And I think maybe with Riley being involved, there is an element of that. I want him to experience playing in front of thousands of people. And I want him to, you know, and it's almost like, look, this is so in a way that maybe has reawakened my quality control of myself in a way. Yes. And made me care and want to. I feel like I, I kind of got distracted, not distracted by musically, but. I, f I feel like I've let myself drift down the divisions. And now about three or four years ago, I decided, no, I want to be excellent. I want to be excellent. I want to have an excellent band, or, you know, and I'm trying to push back to the Premier League. Yes, yes. And if I make it, great. And if I don't, it's worth the effort is the, is the thing to enjoy, really. When you're young, you, you sort of, you write songs and you get wind in your sails of your career and people in record companies and people who fans and everyone puts an energy into you and you sort of are pushed up by that. You're buoyed by that really. And it brings the best out of you. You kind of, it's inspiring and you want to, you want to be the best and you live and breathe it, you know? And then later on that is, you know, that's difficult to, to feel like that way again. So I think you have to, it might be a bit cryptic, but I think you have to, I feel like I'm a little kid and I have a burning ambition, but I also don't want to fight a war that I won 20 years ago. Yeah. I don't want to refight it, yeah. you know? Yeah. So yeah, I, in a way, I feel much more in control of setting my own parameters. I think when you're young, you're buying a lottery ticket and you're hoping you're the Beatles. And you're probably not. <laughs> and now I know I'm not the Beatles. So it's a different situation. Uh, to, to, you, you are. There's someone here in LA that thinks you are, but that's the <laughs> different that's different story. <laughs> but you know what I mean? You you kind of know who you are and you know you're not you're not like going in putting a chip on the roulette wheel. You're kind of going, No, I'm happy to be me. Yeah. And let's see where me can go. Yes, well, um, there's there's an element of uh, of uh, pop music in, in 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 it's a loaded term, right? When we say pop music, but there's an element of of uh, rock or pop music that is almost um, a, a young man's sport in a way, right? Uh, and uh, and how do we carry that as as we move on our careers? And uh, you know, you said you're uh, 60, and uh, you know, 63. <laughs> and that how do you um you know you're like what am i doing doing this guitar thing and i'm thinking i'm the beatles you know after i'm i'm well, you know 
you know, no, I don't feel like that. I feel like no one says, to, are you, I think just after I, the lightning seeds a long time ago, I felt like, you know, do you, you know, should I stop that? You know, and then I felt like no one says to Picasso, oh, mate, you've been painting for years. Stop it. You know, or, <laughs> yeah. you know, any other art form. I'm not saying I'm Picasso, obviously, but any, any, even a, even a, a paint, any kind of a portrait artist or, you know, you don't say, or a Peter Blake, you know, you don't, no one says you should stop that now. Yeah. And I think musicians get a hard time or out of every, compared to an actor, compared to an artist, compared to a sculptor, you know, they get out it, it, It's like, we're the bottom level in a funny way, you know, yeah. and yet we're not really, you know, but we are, yeah. uh, I don't know. I think that's because we're all just, in a dream somewhere. So we just want to do the song. We don't really, you know, we almost like we're like vulnerable adults in some ways. Do you know what I mean? We just, we're just busy writing a song and we don't want to know about the other stuff. Yes. It, it but, seems uh, uh, it, music tends to, uh, this is something I read of all things in a marketing study that one of those things you get a PDF and you read about it, but it says that uh, uh, music, uh, it hits directly at our emotions, right? Which is true. It's a very emotional thing. And and it seems like that feeling of, of, of the musician having to stop doing it after a certain age, maybe there's a feeling that we shouldn't be having emotions after a certain age, maybe. You shouldn't just be out there feeling it on the stage. And, and it's, it's an absurd idea, in a way. Well, I think it's a different world now. I feel like that about journalists to a degree. You think, God, you've been reviewing records for 40 years. Surely you, you could move on from that and write a book or something. I, do you know what I mean? Like, but, so I feel like that about a lot of stuff. But I remember when I was young and... Uh, I remember when I was young. Yeah. When I was when I was younger, younger. Yeah, I um, I remember my father reading the newspaper, and he said the Rolling Stones are doing a tour. They're all thirty. What are they doing? Why are they doing that? You know, grow up. And I, and I think at that time it was very much like they can't be in a group when you're thirty. You know, but now Bob Dylan, you know, Paul McCartney's headlining Glastonbury. At, I don't know. 800 years old or whatever he is, you know, and, and, you know, in his eighties, I suppose. And, you know, and it feels like, um, you know, I saw Leonard Cohen towards the end of his life. It was fantastic. You know, it, you know, I really feel that it's a different world now. It's, it, it's, it's, um, and when Dylan and the Beatles changed pop music from a throwaway thing into a more artistic form of song, that whole thing that you're talking about went with that really. And it, and it, I don't think you, I don't think I'd ever stop. Yes. Being me. Yeah. And, you know, I don't think, I mean, there are, there are people who, you know, are in a band when they're 18, they have massive number one records. They achieve what they want to achieve. And by the time they're 23, they're done. I've never been one of those people. There's other people who you just know when you meet them, they're going to be doing that forever. You know, yeah, I and, think I, and I, I don't know which I'd rather be, but I don't have the choice. You know, I wouldn't mind just being the guy who did it, bang, and he's gone. You know what yeah. I mean? Well, may, but, may, maybe it goes to to what you said. Maybe they did. Maybe they did achieve what they said to achieve. And uh, what keeps you going is what you said before. You just feel that you haven't captured it yet, and that keeps you moving to the next one. Uh, in yeah. A sense. Well, I think the world's changed, hasn't it, massively? And there's such great music around now. Yes. And, 
you know, and there the probably was then. So it, so it doesn't affect the being great music. But I'd say, if anything, it's a bit less vocational. So when I was first wanting to be in a band, there was no route to be in a band. There was no college you could go to. There was no, you know, you, you just had to make it up as you went along. And I'm a product of that chaos, really. Yeah. Now you can go and study. And, you know, a lot of the people who work with us have gone to college and gone to Paul McCartney's school, Lipper in Liverpool. And they're amazing. And they know how to do it. Where I don't know how to do it, but I just get there somehow. They know how to do it. And, and I'm, in some ways, I'm in awe of them. But that's just not the world I came from, you know. So I'll yeah. always fumble about really and rely on serendipity and kind of happy accidents and stuff like that and um you know and 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 it's and in going back to what you said because it's vocational i'm never going to stop you know whereas i think if it's more career and you've gone to college and you've achieved you know achieved your career then you know it's more likely to have an end point yeah yeah uh in would you consider uh, something I found striking in in one of the lyrics of the record um, is um, in the in the track "These Foolish Dreams," where you have when you say, uh, "I don't don't have to pray; I have to believe every day," and uh, that is something that uh, it kept me thinking. And that is the one of the parts I ca I had the record on repeat for the past few days, and that phrase kept you know coming back to me. And and would you consider yourself? Um, in a way, uh, a, a, religi a religious person, or would you consider yourself someone more pragmatic, more uh, uh, in, in your approach to, to everything you do? I would say I'm a religious person who doesn't believe in religions. Yeah. You know, I, 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 I'm definitely not pragmatic, and I'm definitely emotional and led by that, and, and, but I don't really, you know, I don't yeah. really aspire to, to, to religion that way. I mean... Yeah. That song, you know, is what I said earlier about the much grace. It, it is saying, you know, to a degree, am I just becoming a worse version of myself every year? I'm saying hope, you know, lives in young men's hearts, you know. Yeah. The key to their arm puts the strength in their arms, you know. But I just still believe, you know, I just... You, you got to carry it every day. I just, you know, I just, every day is a new day. And I just, you know, I don't have to, I just believe. And I think that's, so that's the same answer that I've just given you. It's like, I'm someone, I just believe, you know. Yeah. No, it's uh, when uh, I, I was reading uh, one of your quotes where you said you feel uh, every morning you wake up with a sense that something's going to go horribly wrong. And then the day goes by and it's fine, you know, and, uh, and, I, I think I can identify myself in 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 that sentiment. I'm sorry that you can. <laughs> it's, just gotta live with it. Uh, yeah, maybe, maybe there's some, something there that why I identify with your music over the years so much. Um, yeah. Um, when it comes more now, uh, talking a bit more about the the, the process of making the record uh, in a more technical or, or more down to to the, the how to do it. Uh, what's your been your evolution in terms of uh, the production of it? I know that you have your own studio and uh, that gives you the luxury to experiment, to try things, to have things hardwired in the way that, you know, things are done yeah. in, a, in, a, in no. a very personal way. 
So I think um, when I made Pure, I pretty much did it at home. And the second album with Sense and Life O'Reilly, I did in my brother's front room. So I've always been do-it-yourself before, but it was harder because there weren't computers really. And samplers had just been invented. But so they've always been homemade, my albums. And then after the, after the Sense album, I had no record contract and I set up a studio in Liverpool and I was producing bands and I made most of Jollification just even though I didn't have a, a record contract. Um, and I wasn't really looking for one, but I was just making my songs. So again, it was like a clubhouse for me more than a studio. It was just a place for me to be comfortable. And uh, so I kind of come from that, really. I've come from that. And now I think most people get to, you know, studios, your classic studio that from the 70s or 80s, they had to be places where a heavy metal band could walk in or a folk artist or a classical session. And they had to be able to accommodate all those things. Yes. So inherently there's a kind of a blandness to a studio. It's, it's a blank canvas, but it's a place that you can make your own. And the difference now, because people have their own places, whether it's, you know, uh, you know, all sorts of people, Jack, whoever it might be, you know, they have it personalized in that to set up set up for them for me personally i spent a lot of time this album on my own on the top of my house in the middle of the night and i never want to do that again i don't, I, don't, I it, it was i i used to like having people around really and when it when it was tape machines you know you can never go back to that it's like a box that you can't shut so I will always use the computer and I'll always use it. But I think I don't want it to be as soli solitary. And yet when I started and I did Pure, it was completely solitary. It was on my own. And then it felt like I got to a point where it was less solitary during jollification and, and, and other people were around. And I enjoyed it a lot more. And now I seem to have reversed it. So I think if I do another album, which I, w I think I would like to, now that I've kind of, I feel like this album is in some ways a pathway back and I feel it, I'm at 70% and I could be better. But then I, I felt like that since I was 20, what, 10. <laughs> so, you know, uh, it doesn't really mean much. But, um, and in the end, they just are what they are. Uh, but, and I'm very proud of moments of this album. I think it's probably my favourite album that I've done. Maybe, maybe not. But it's certainly up there. Maybe there's songs that are, you know, pure that I'll, I might not ever equal. I, I don't know, you know, the songs that I treasure more that, I, that I've made. But as an album, I think this is very, it's quite coherent, really. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's quite coherent. And a lot of what I'm writing about is personal to me. And I've expressed what I want to express, I think, you know. So in that way, it's successful. Yeah. It's, it still feels like I haven't quite nailed it, you know, as to what I would like to do. Yeah. Wow. Um, that, that's that's a really good way to put it um, um, because it did feel uh, very refreshing as a, as a listener, as a, as a fan, 
I was like, wow, um, this was a, such a big gift uh, to have uh, when it landed on my inbox. Uh, you know what? The nicest thing that one of my friends uh, asked me, he said, you know, could you send me the album? I'd really love to hear it. And he's someone I, I respect and he's a writer, but uh, he doesn't write to do with music. Um, and I said, yeah, no, I'll send it to you. And I'm usually not too bothered about what people say about it. You know, I'm more judging their reactions and all but he said the nicest thing anyone's ever said to me. And he sent me a note back and he said, I'd like to think that you sound on this album like if Buddy Holly had experienced the Beatles, he might have sounded like this. And that was the nicest thing anyone's ever said to me. That's... And I was like, I wish someone had said that in print. <laughs> that's, a very uh, good, that's a very good compliment. God. So, so that crystallized my ambition. I thought the next album has to be that. Yeah. Wow. Uh, well, um, uh, with that, uh, uh, do you have any plans on, on touring, coming to Los Angeles? Uh... Do you know, I'd absolutely love to come to Los Angeles. And we're talking with the kind people at BMG and with our agents, uh, our American agent. We've never really played in, in, in the States. Um, you know, originally when, when the first couple of albums were out, I didn't really play live. I hadn't really got to that stage yet. And then afterwards, uh, I don't think Sony really put the albums out in America very, really. But um, so it's been, as usual, a strange career, backwardsy stuff. But I'm hoping that there will be some way that we can get out and play some shows because, um, yeah, I'd love to do that. I'd love yeah. to do that. And, and we're, we're really good now live, I think. We, we were, I wasn't that great for a while. Yeah. But I think right now, I love my band. I love the people in the band. There's a lovely feeling in it. And, and, uh, it would be really nice to come and do that. Yeah. Well, we got we to gotta do something about that. <laughs> we got to bring you here. Have to get someone to book us. <laughs> yes. Well, th thank you so much, Ian. Uh, it's, it's really it's nice really, to talk. Uh, and thank you for the support over the years then. And thank you for, for enjoying. You know, it's, it's very nice to meet you. No, I think well, same here. I'm, I'm truly touched. I get the goosebumps. I was very nervous uh, because uh, I am, um, you know, really your, your work has really touched me profoundly over the years. Uh, and um, uh, it's a true honor to, to have you here uh, talking to well, you. Hopefully meet you in person in LA at some point. You know, yeah. uh, um, you know hope, hopefully I will, I will get out there soon. So. Fantastic. Well, thank you. All right. Take care. Have a good day. Dublin.